Hello again, friends. This is Pastor Lowell with the Return to Rome series on End Time Prophecy. This is number two. We're continuing from where we ended yesterday. And we invite you to join us for just a short prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can again turn our thoughts to end time prophecy. We believe we're living at end time. Help us to be ready for Christ's coming and to understand the events taking place in our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Return to Rome, the end of Protestantism. This is number two. We're continuing from where we left off yesterday. We were reading from the Guardian News, October 30 of 2016, where the news said for 500 years, Europe has had this huge fault line between Catholics and Protestants, said McCulloch. Now the Pope is going to a Lutheran country to emphasize the division is in the past. It's the culmination of a great deal of work on the part of the Lutherans and the papacy over the past 20 years. Francis has softened the tone, said Holloway. The conversation will get warmer and sweeter, and who knows where it will lead. Where will it lead, friend? It will lead right back to Rome, return to Rome, the end of Protestantism. Now, the question we left off with yesterday was, who has changed, Catholicism or Protestantism? And we're going to answer that question from the book, Great Controversy, page 571, where it says the Roman Church now presents a fair front to the world, covering with apologies her record of horrible cruelties. She has clothed herself in Christ-like garments, but she is unchanged. So who has changed? Not Rome. She is unchanged. So Protestantism is what has changed. I'm reading on every principle of the papacy that existed in past ages exists today. The doctrines devised in the darkest ages are still held. Let none deceive themselves. The papacy that Protestants are now so ready to honor is the same that ruled the world in the days of the Reformation. When men of God stood up, at the peril of their lives, to expose her iniquity. She possesses the same pride and arrogant assumption that lorded it over kings and princes and claimed the prerogatives of God. Her spirit is no less cruel and despotic now, now here we are, 2020, now than when she crushed out human liberty and slew the saints of the Most High. That was page 571. Now I'm going to read from page 566, same book, Great Controversy, where it says Protestants have tampered with and patronized poopery. They have made compromises and concessions which papists themselves are surprised to see and fail to understand. So what we recognize is that Protestantism essentially has died we are seeing the death of Protestantism. You may remember from our first presentation, we were looking at the five things that must take place for all the world to wander after the beast. Revelation 13.3 Number one was the death of Protestantism. Number two, a positive view of the papacy. 
three, religious unification, four, the removal of competition, where essentially there's nobody competing with Rome for global control or leadership, and then number five, a global common problem or a global common enemy. We're looking at number one, the death of Protestantism, which essentially took place in 2017, but let me add another nail in the coffin of Protestantism. This is from Vatican News back in 2018, June 21, 2018. The Pope visited Geneva, and in the Vatican News it had an article entitled Pope's Geneva Visit Ecumenical Pilgrimage, also pastoral. He was going there to meet with the World Council of Churches, which is the largest umbrella group of Christian denominations in the world. The World Council of Churches represents over 500 million Christians. Now, Rome is not a member, but it is an invited uh, guest at the World Council of Churches. So the Pope went to Geneva and met with them in 2018. And the news said this, Geneva has a special place in the history of the Protestant Reformation. I might mention right here that Geneva is called the Protestant Rome. So it says Geneva has a special place in the history of the Protestant Reformation where John Calvin, the French theologian and pastor, led the Reformation in the 16th century. Today, the Swiss city is the center of encounter and dialogue home to the second largest United Nations office after the New York headquarters, as well as numerous international organizations, including the Red Cross. Next week's visit, this was back in 2018, next week's visit is yet another step by the Argentine Pope on the ecumenical path, in line with his trip to Lund, Sweden in 2016, to commemorate the 500th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation. So it's essentially another step in bringing Protestants back home to Rome, this visit to Geneva. Now that was 2018. Let me give you an update. This is 2020. February 29, 2020, they had for the first time in nearly 500 years a Catholic Mass was held in the main church in Geneva, Switzerland, this is from the Catholic News Agency. It says, First Mass since Reformation to be held in Swiss Cathedral. The cathedral was the seat of the Catholic bishops of Geneva from the 4th century until the Protestant Reformation. And then the last Mass celebrated there was in 1535. After that, the Reformation came in. The building was taken over by John Calvin's Reformed Protestant Church. They destroyed the cathedral statues and paintings, and they banned Catholic worship. That was in 1535. Now, this year, 2020, February 29, they had the first Catholic Mass there in that <laughs> that supposedly Protestant cathedral. Well, it was once Catholic. Now it's become Protestant. Now you wonder, it's shifting back to being Catholic perhaps again. Let me read now from the Catholic Herald. This was July 23 of 2015. They had an article entitled The Pope's Great Evangelical Gamble. 
Can Francis overcome decades of antagonism between Catholics and Evangelicals? And the article says somewhere in Pope Francis's office is a document that could alter the course of Christian history. It declares an end to hostilities between Catholics and Evangelicals and says the two traditions are now united in mission because we are declaring the same gospel. Amazing. So essentially, they are saying Catholics and Protestants are declaring the same gospel. Well, I suppose that's true now. Protestants don't have a anything more to protest. Let me read on. The article says the Holy Father is thinking of signing the text in 2017, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, alongside evangelical leaders representing roughly one in four Christians in the world today. Francis is convinced that the Reformation is already over. Note that sentence. Catholic Herald, 2015. Francis is convinced that the Reformation is already over. He believes it ended in 1999, the year the Catholic Church and the Lutheran World Federation issued a joint declaration on justification, the doctrine at the heart of Luther's protest. Now let me take you back to 1999, to that joint declaration between the Catholic Church and the Lutheran World Federation. I'm reading here from the Denver Post. This was November 1, 1999. Headlines. Catholics, Lutherans, mend 482-year rift. And the article said Augsburg, Germany, 482 years ago Sunday, the blunt-speaking monk, Martin Luther, nailed his legendary attack on Catholic church practices to a church door in Germany, an act of conscience that triggered the Protestant Reformation. Sunday, October 31, 1999. The heirs of that acrimony and fracture, the leaders of the modern Lutheran and Roman Catholic churches, signed a document that officially settles the central argument about the nature of faith that Luther provoked. The agreement declares, in effect, that it, that's the Protestant Reformation, was all a misunderstanding. Isn't that amazing? So the news is declaring that the Protestant Reformation was all a misunderstanding. Let me read on. The agreement is significant beyond the dispute over doctrine that it resolves. It has deep implications for future relations among Catholics and Protestants, said theologians and church leaders. Many said this accord gives added promise to the ideal their denominations champion of full communion or merger between the churches, end of quote. That's Lutherans and Catholics merging back together again. I suppose Martin Luther would roll over in his grave if he knew what was happening. Now that was in 1999, over 20 years ago. Let me take you now to 2014. A sermon preached by Bishop Tony Palmer on January 21. Bishop Tony Palmer is was an evangelical Anglican. Now, the reason why I say he was, he is dead now. But when he was alive, he was a Protestant bishop. <clears throat> he says, he said, 
This was actually at a, a convention of Protestant leaders in Texas. So these are not Protestant people. These are Protestant leaders of all over North America. And this bishop, Anglican bishop, said to those Protestant leaders, brothers and sisters, the protest is over, is yours. And then he said, so the protest has been over for 15 years and I get a bit cheeky here. What he means by cheeky, he means he gets, he starts smiling, his cheeks start showing. I get a bit cheeky here because I challenge my Protestant pastor friends. If there is no more protest, how can there be a Protestant church? Maybe we now we're all Catholics again. End of quote. That's what this Catholic bishop, this Protestant bishop said. Maybe we're all Catholics again. And then later he said, the protest is over. The protest is over. Well, friend, is the protest over? I would say not. We're going to continue next time our study of Return to Rome, the end of Protestantism. Join us again tomorrow as we continue. Let's have a prayer as we end. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd help us to be true Protestants today. Help us to stand for the truth wherever we are and whatever we do. Bless our listeners to that end is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friend, God be with you until we meet again.